0: Today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together to share, um, to hear from you, to learn from your word, to be um, equipped and strengthened by scriptures. Father, we thank you because your word finds home in our hearts. We declare that our hearts um, are conducive for your word to grow in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not forget what we hear. What we hear will not be choked by the cares of this world, or the, nor the deceitfulness of riches. And what we hear shall find roots in the ground and grow and produce even a hundredfold. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. All right, so we're going to go right in um, to this Bible study. And we're continuing from where we stopped last week. So by way of, you know, refresher, we looked at the fact that there are three There are three ways that our light shine. Now, this is not exhaustive, but I believe these are three very important um, aspects that we, we must consider. So we've been talking about our light shining in this dark world, meaning that, um, and we read from first Peter chapter, chapter three, verse 15, when it talks about um, how that, what we called in this crooked world, we call to shine as lights. And that's where we anchor our um, conversation from that. God wants us to shine as light in this dark world. However, how do we shine as light? All right. And so we've identified three things that make us shine in this world as, as light. Okay. Um, number one, we say is our concentration. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about the fact that um, our concentration is the beginning and, and is the foundation of us shining as light. You know, when light shines in darkness, it is, dif- it is different, all right? Um, what makes light different from what makes light um, conspicuous and, and obvious is the fact that it is different from darkness. So, that difference, all right, is what we're looking at. And concentration is the foundation of that difference we have in our lives versus the world and the people in the world, all right? So we have that consecration to start with. Um, and then the second thing, and last week we could only take consecration, but the other two things I want to cover today are conviction and character. So if you notice, there are three of them, or, and they all start with C, sorry. One is consecration, second is conviction, and the third is character, all right? And we said concerning consecration that our consecration will be tested by pleasure all right and that's how typically the devil tries our consecration or or tempts our consecration by um, pleasure And, and we drew a parallel from the temptation of jesus christ how that satan took jesus christ to the top of the mountain and showed him the glories of this world and all that is in it and he said you know what i will give you all of this and the reason why the enemy, why Satan at that point could, could offer Jesus Christ the glories of this world was because man had ceded that glory to him in the Garden of Eden, all right? And then his the catch here was for Jesus to bow down and worship, worship Satan. And then he'll give him all the glories. He'll give him all the pleasures of this world. And what Satan was, was aiming at, again, was that Jesus Christ, you've been consecrated to God all this while. Now I want you to bow down to a a different God. Bow down to me and discard your consecration. And in exchange for that, I will give you all the pleasures of this world. All right. And then Jesus Christ, of course, didn't, didn't fall to that temptation. And that reminds us of the scripture that Jesus Christ himself said, what does it profit a man? he gains the whole world and loses his soul so when you you lose your soul when you lose your concentration to god in exchange for the pleasures of this world all right so that's what we looked at last week and i want to continue today and look at conviction and character okay um i i said last week that we're drawing our um inspiration from the book of daniel because the book of daniel is a type of the world we live in right now. And what I mean is that it's symbolic of the world we live in. So Daniel was taking, Daniel, I mean, the whole of Israel was taken captive into, a, into Babylon and Babylon was a heaving nation. They did not have regard for God, They did not believe in God. They did not have any, um, any regard for the Most High God. Yet we see Daniel and his friends having to live in that kind of civilization. You know, And this is very much the world we live in right now, where there's no regard for God, there's no fear of God, people do as they please, um, consulting other gods and living for their own glory and self, and yet we are called to live as lights in this world. And so we are drawing lessons from the book of Daniel um, of, for, this, you know, for these three things. So let's open, turn our Bibles to, to Daniel chapter 3 so we're looking at conviction again there are three things that make us shine in this make us shine as light in this world number one is con- our concentration number two is our conviction and number three is our character all right so daniel chapter 3 um i encourage you to read the whole of that chapter 3 it's a story we've heard so many times i believe and that's the story <clears throat> of um the Three Hebrew boys, as Daniel's friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down to the golden, uh, bow down to the image that was set up, and then um, their defiance ended up—I mean, ended them up in 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 a burning furnace. Um, but I want to just read a few verses. Um, chapter chapter three, verse sixteen. <clears throat> chapter three, verse sixteen to verse eighteen. All right. And again, just as for background, you know, context, um, the king, I don't know who, whatever must have moved him, uh, moved him to set up a very high image of gold and asked that every single person, once they hear the sound of the trumpet and all the other musical instruments, they should bow down and worship that image. Um, but Daniel and his three friends said, we've, we've already bowed our knees to Jesus. we are worried about our knees to God. You know we can't bow our knees to God and bow before another image we can't submit to God and submit to an, another image again and so this was and and you know the other officials noticed this and reported to the king and then the king called them, so this is verse verse seventeen, and the king because he, the king loved them, he gave them another chance and said, "You know what I've heard the report of these people I'm willing to discard this report and give you another chance to do the right thing." You know, whenever I hear the sound of musical instruments, just bow down and I won't have any problems you your dead to my heart and all of that. And so in verse 16, this is the king speaking now. Oh, sorry. This is the three Hebrew boys speaking. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And again, before I continue reading, so you understand that they were not just running their mouth. and to give, you know, to help you appreciate the risk that these people took, this king in question was at this point the ruler of the whole earth because his kingdom was the largest in the earth. And in fact, when you read um, further scriptures, further um, chapters in this scripture, you'll see how that God gave him that much influence and glory. So he could do and undo. He, he could determine who lives and who dies. So these people were literally putting their lives in line. All right. So they said to the king that we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Meaning it's not a, sub, a question of us going back to think about it. There's nothing to think about, you know. It's like um, when you maybe someone pr- proposes, gives you an offer and, then, and says, you know what, go back, take a few days or weeks and think about this and get back to me. For these people, it wasn't a case of them going back to think on it. And this shows us something very important that I'll just mention now before I even, uh, I, w- I thought I'll mention this later, but let me mention it right away. And with the fact that their conviction was already settled and cemented before any situation came up. So they were not going to, to construct their conviction with respect to what was happening at this moment. They already had the conviction settled. And cemented, all right, before this situation came up. So they didn't need to go back and think and say, you know, ah, did we really say that we should not uh, bow down? Can we just bow down? Maybe we'll bow down with one knee, then we'll not bow down with the second one, at least. It means that we're not totally no, that was not the case. They they had made up their minds that nothing will ever change that conviction they had. So they said to the king that we're not careful to answer this in this matter, verse verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. So again, they had, they had gone deep into their conviction, right, to say also to the king that the God we serve, we know him. He's able to deliver us. And then look at the verse 18, which is really the test of our conviction. He says, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. All right. And then the proceeding verse, most of us know the story. The king was angry, threw them into the burning furnace, and then he, they saw a But Before we even go to that, to that, um, to, to the ending of this story, at this point, the king was already furious, gave them a second chance, and then these boys. You know, if we look at it from a logical human perspective, it will seem like these boys wasted the opportunity to deliver themselves, so to save themselves. And they said, they said to the king that, you know, we are not careful about this matter to answer you in this matter. One, we made up our mind that we will not bow our knees to any other God. And the reason why we do done so is because we know that our God is able to deliver us from any situation. But if for any reason he decides not to deliver us, our conviction is strong enough that we can place our lives on it, and this really is where we must get to as believers. That for our lights to shine in this world, you know, the world says that, and there's the saying of, of the world that that goes thus: If you can't beat them, join them. That saying is not is not scriptural. It doesn't apply in the Bible. If you you if you can't beat them, stay on your own. All right. There's no way. There's no context in which. We are to join the civilization of this world in, in their government and their systems and in their convictions. No, our conviction ought to be settled before any circumstance will come, come up. And this is the way, one of the ways we shine as light in this world. All right. Um, we saw from chapter one, how Daniel and his friends, you know, proposed in their hearts not to defile themselves. But you see, if you look at the book of Daniel, um, you can see some progression in the test of their faith. The first test was a test of concentration. You know, they came to a new territory and that was given obviously to idols. And they said, no, we will set ourselves apart. And they, they stood their ground in concentration. And the journey continues. And it got to a point where, you know, it's, it's almost like the devil saw that I can't shake these people's concentration. So you know what? Let me test their conviction. Let me shake their conviction. And then this scenario just uh, that we read, just you know, came up. And this is typical of what we experience as christians you know our conviction should be settled about the things of god about god and his word and and what he basically has has said concerning us all right our conviction has to be settled on that on those grounds and like i mentioned earlier our conviction is should be built and settled before a a situation presents itself You know, it is not at the time of battle you start preparing for war. You are already setting about what God has said, setting about your belief in God, and nothing should shake it. So what is conviction? I said here in simple terms that conviction is the absolute resolve we have in our hearts, regardless of the prevalent circumstances. Let me take that again. Conviction is the absolute resolve we have in our hearts, regardless the prevalent circumstances. So whether there's hunger or not, whether there's abundance or not, our conviction still stays strong. Okay. And this is where we must get to as Christians. And one of the hallmarks of maturity as believers is that uh, your conviction doesn't change because of circumstances. You know, there are people who just a little pressure and they are changing their minds about what God said. So let's say God spoke a word to you and be holding firm to it and the circumstances go contrary to everything god has said to you many people change their change what they believe simply because the circumstances look difficult and that should not be the case all right so how then do we build conviction all right which is a a a very um important question to ask so how then do we build conviction um let us read second timothy Chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. I would love to read this from uh, the Passion Translation. So if anybody's there, you can go ahead and just read for us. um, If you're there before me.
1: Second, Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Someone want to help us? Okay, let me read. Um, reading from the Passion Translation. Okay,
0: um, this is Apostle Paul speaking, he says, and he has anointed me as his preacher, his apostle, and his teacher of truth to the nations. The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. For I have an intimate revelation of this God. Mark that I have for I have an intimate revelation of this God and my faith in him convinces me that he's more than able to keep all that are placed in his hands. Hallelujah. Paul was saying that, you know, God has called me to be a, a to be an apostle, to preach the word of God, to be a teacher of the truth. And he then goes on to say that the confidence of my calling is what enables me to face difficult situations. And the reason why he has that confidence is that He had an intimate revelation of this God. And that is where our conviction is is born from. Conviction is born out of an intimate personal revelation about God. A revelation that God gives you himself, you know. And this is where we begin to differentiate our experiences as believers. We all have access to the, the word of God, right, the Bible. But we don't all have the same conviction and the reason why is because the revelation we have from god we all don't have the same revelation from god basically and without a personal and i repeat a personal intimate re- re- revelation from god you have no no strong conviction that holds you and that conviction stands serves as an anchor to your soul all right so imagine a ship that is on water um when it comes to the to the shore what what it does is It sends forth its anchor and, you know, the anchor either goes deep down to the water to hold it from from floating away or it's anchored to something, you know, that keeps it from floating away. The purpose of the anchor is to keep the ship steady so that the waves of the water doesn't take the ship in a direction that it doesn't want to go. That is what our conviction does for us. Our conviction keeps us firm in the same place so that regardless of the waves of life, regardless of the turbulence of life, regardless of the movements of life, we're not taken out of place. And if there is no um, personal revelation from God concerning your life, concerning a particular matter, they, when certain things show up, you will just give in. All right. And this is why we, we need to know God for ourselves. Um, this is the part you cannot outsource. Yes, we, people can pray for you, but nobody can transfer his conviction to you or her conviction to you. You have to know God for yourself. You have to encounter God for yourself. You have to get that intimate revelation. And I like the way um, the scripture puts it. It says, For I have an intimate revelation of this God. So, my question to you is, What is the intimate revelation of God that you have? And that intimate revelation would will, 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 be what would sponsor your conviction in life. All right? And this is what we need to how, where we need to grow into as believers. And then, um, you know if you look at if you study Christians or study believers around, you'll find that, that a lot of people don't have strong convictions. When it comes to their to values to um to the circumstances of life, to what they personally believe, some people don't have strong convictions. Some people still some Christians um still believe oh yeah it's okay to have you know sex before you you you're married as long as they they say as long as you 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 have safe sex and they're wondering which bible are you reading and i say well jesus will forgive me and i'm like what is your conviction all right and the test of conviction is pressure let me say this again pressure is the test of our conviction so it is easy for people to say I would die for the gospel. Let there be sufficient pressure in their lives. Then you will know whether they really will die for the gospel. All right. Let there be sufficient pressure, whether from people, from circumstances, from even yourself. It is pressure that always tests our conviction. So in the case of, um, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we just read in Daniel chapter 3, there was pressure. In fact, <laughs> it was sufficient enough because... There was a burning furnace waiting for them. I'm I'm sure they could see it. They knew where the furnace was. They were aware that the king was not joking when he said they could be thrown into that fire. But they said, even if we will not still bow down to this God. You know, that is enough pressure, but yet they stood their ground. And this is really true for every believer. A point will come in your life, or several points actually will come in your life where your conviction will be tested by pressure. So for somebody it might be that, oh, I'm, I've reached the age of marriage, but then no man is coming or no woman is coming. And then there's that pressure that comes from society, pressure that comes from yourself. And you are about to compromise with the next person because, I, I mean, in the ne- last two years, only one, only this is the first guy that's even giving you attention, that's even asked you for your number. But this guy in question is not a believer. This guy doesn't, he believe only believes that he goes to church on once, a, once, twice in a year for Christmas, on Christmas Day and New Year Eve. That's when he goes to church. You know this guy doesn't have a strong relationship with God, but you are beginning to consider because you are feeling that pressure of being single or whatever it is. Our conviction will always be tested by pressure. Always be tested by pressure. But for someone, it might even be finance, finances, okay? Maybe you have some amount of money. Let's say you belong to a group in church and they looked at your face and said, you know what? We can trust you with money. So this money, we're all gathering it for our annual convention in October, but we want someone that is trusted. And so we give you this money to keep it. And then you are keeping this money, but you yourself, you are in serious need. And so there's that pressure, financial pressure, and you are looking at the money in your bank account. I have already calculated and said the convention is in October. If i just take like 200k from this money you know i would i would just do as somebody is owing me the person will pay me by end of july then i'll quickly put the money back if that doesn't work my savings from you know i'll take it back and you know in your heart you should not touch that money so that is a, a situation of pressure again your your conviction will always be tested by pressure it might even be at a place of work where and this happens a lot with, with ladies uh, but also, so, you know, some men also face the same thing as well. Sexual harassment, where somebody tells you, "Man, you want promotion? Promotion is promotion exam is next is end of this month." But well, you and I know that it's not the exam that time. is promotion. Is the is the people? Is the is the management? You know, and they speak all manner of English. And I say, I, I happen to have two slots for promotion. You know, we can just hang out on Friday, and your promotion is done, and you got that pressure of you want to be promoted, you need the money, you you are long overdue for a promotion, and then somebody is giving you, quote unquote, an easy ticket that will have to test your conviction. So I'm saying this over and over again, that our conviction will always be tested by pressure, whether external circumstances or even from people, you know, um, whatever it is, your conviction will always be tested by pressure. Um, But we have to, you know, the Bible says that If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. Meaning that the day of adversity will always come, but when that day comes, it is not the strength of the adversity that matters. It is your strength that matters. So what we should do is to strengthen our conviction even before the adversity comes. Listen, let me tell you something. Make up your mind concerning some issues in your life that you will never compromise on. Do you understand? Make up your mind that You will never have to go and lobby or go and beg and use you know back underhanded methods just to get a contract or just to get a job. No, make up your mind that you will never settle below, and I don't know why this issue of marriage is coming up again, but permit me to use it. Make up your mind that you will never settle for anything less than God's standard in scriptures concerning your marriage. All right. Make up your mind that even if it takes you a long time before you get a job, you will not compromise your integrity, your, your purity or anything because you want to get that job. No, make up your mind. In fact, I like a saying that I heard from um, Bishop Oedipo. He says, I said it several times, that whatever God cannot do, whatever God decides not to do, let it remain undone. Whatever God does not give me, I don't want to have it no matter the pressure all oh, my friends all my friends just bought cars this year and i'm I, i'm still entering bus all my friends all of them are just moving to their own houses and i'm still paying rent it doesn't matter make up your mind that regardless of the pressure you feel you will not do anything that is outside the parameters of god's word let that be your conviction and please i'm encouraging us make. <laughs> make up your mind before the circumstances happen because you know it's easy to say ah no i'll never do this i'll never do this that's anybody can can can, like they say talk is cheap what really tests your conviction is when the pressure comes when the circumstances come you know when when joseph was in Potiphar's house and then Potiphar's wife you know began to you know get attracted to, to joseph and um, she, one day after persisting and telling Joseph, you know, you are very cute. You are the cutest house servant I've ever had. In fact, when I just see you, I'm at peace. I just don't even worry. You know, in fact, when my, I, see now that my husband has gone, come, come, let's, let's, let's relate, let's interact. And Joseph said, how can I do this wickedness before God? It was not that day that Joseph made up his mind never to, have an affair with any other woman it was not that day he had already made up his mind long before the opportunity to fall into the temptation came all right long before the pressure came he had made up his mind and this is what i'm saying um, share with us today let your convictions be set in stone let it be fixed before any challenge would come all right so that when the challenge comes you are not trying to think because let me tell you something when pressure comes in Logic is suspended. It is what is in your spirit that comes out. Never forget what I'm saying. When there is pressure, what you think is logical, your whole sense of logic will be suspended. It is what is in your spirit, what is deep down in your heart that will come up. So the time of pressure is not the time where you are thinking, where you are trying to analyze. In fact, many times, it will be an illogical decision for you to stay with your conviction, all right? So you can't even employ your logic at that point because your logic will betray you. However, what is in your spirit, that's when it will come out. So how do we build this conviction? Like I said earlier, we build it based on the revelation that God gives us. There are things that God has shown me personally that I am so convinced. And I was was sharing with my wife, um, you know, some, some hours ago, maybe an hour or two ago, we're just talking. I was saying to her that I am so convinced I cannot lack. I'm so convinced because God has shown me both from scriptures and from testimonies in my life before, how he can provide for me from sources that I least expect. So if it's time to give or to help or to do anything financially, I'm not really worried about it. And even when there's no money on hand, I I don't feel the pressure to go and start doing things that I wouldn't do or things that are outside the parameters of God's word. The reason is because I have a personal revelation that I cannot lack. God will always provide for me. All right. What is your conviction? What is your the revelation that God has given you concerning your family, concerning um the purpose God has for your life, concerning your health, concerning your wealth, concerning relationships, concerning whatever it is. My question is what is that intimate revelation you have of God that w- that has strengthened your conviction? Let me read this where we read again from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse um verse 12 i just want to read that that particular phrase it says for i have an intimate revelation of this god I, I, i'm reading from the passion translation It says i have an intimate revelation of this god so my question is what do you know about god what is that intimate revelation you have about god because in the day of pressure in the day of adversity that is what will sustain you all right um and just like we did with a with uh, when we talked about concentration, I want us to draw a parallel also from the book of so from the from the um, from the book of Matthew chapter four, which is the temptation of Jesus Christ, and we see parallels um, on, on concerning this matter. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter four. Um, the book of Matthew chapter four. Let's read from verse one to four. Because if if Jesus Christ himself did not not escape this, then I assure you, um, there's no escaping. You will be tempted and tested. Your conviction will be tested by periods of pressure. There are times when your life just feels so much pressure. All right. And the devil begins to ask, we will begin to ask and say, "Uh -uh, I thought God promised you X, Y, Z. So why is it happening? Why is it not happening like that? Why not you try this instead? And you begin to, in fact, if you think, and and this is why you must learn to rebuke the devil immediately, because once you begin to entertain the thoughts that the devil brings, you begin to rationalize some of his suggestions, even though they are contrary to the word of God. And that's why you must rebuke the devil immediately. And this is what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ did not engage the devil in a conversation. No, that times of pressure is not when you engage the devil in a conversation. No, you rebuke the devil. There's nowhere where the Bible says, oh, and discuss with the devil or, or um, debate with the devil. No, 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 no. The moment you enter that realm of debating and, and having an argument with the devil, he would win because you have entered the soul realm, the realm of the mind. And he would obviously win you. You begin to rationalize some of his suggestions. And, you know, that's what happened to, to Eve. All right. I, I'm in the garden. Instead of Eve rebuking the devil, she began to entertain his questions and have a conversation with him. Let me say this again. Nowhere in the Bible are we encouraged to have a conversation with the devil. No. Every time the devil shows up, we rebuke him. We rebuke him. Because the moment you begin to have a conversation, you begin to rationalize his suggestions. And like I said, that's what happened with Eve. The devil came and said, did God really say you should not eat of these fruits? The first thing Eve should have done was to rebuke the devil at that point. But she said, ah, you know what? we didn't really say we should not eat Oh, He just said we should. And from that conversation, she lost, she lost that whole argument. All right? So, rebuke the devil. That's what I was, I, was, I, was going to, I was going to. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Um, then, Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward
1: and hungered. Um, please give me one second, just one minute, please. All right. Um. So it's raining right now. Um. Please
0: let me know if you can still hear me clearly. Um, there's a bit of noise because of the rain. Um, please do let me know if you can hear me. Just give me a thumbs up wherever you are on mixeller or on Zoom or drop in the comments. Okay, thank you. You can hear me clearly. Um, Mixellar, please let me know if you can hear me clearly and just make sure there's no background noise interfering. All right. So let's go back to Matthew chapter four. Thanks. I see your thumbs up on Zoom. Matthew chapter four, verse um, I mean, verse two says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards and hungered. So he was hungry, basically. Verse three says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse four, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the father. So let let me paint this scenario again for you because when, when we read this, we are tempted to just say that, oh, it's Jesus Christ now, so no, not a problem. Jesus Christ had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. Emphasis on the fact that he was hungry and the Bible clearly lets us know. All right, And in his state of hunger, the enemy came and tried to take advantage of that state of pressure where his body needed food. Eating food at this point wasn't a luxury, all right? Eating food at this point wasn't eating for pleasure. It was the fact that he was hungry after 40 days of fasting. And so he needed food. It's not like he just wished or desired to eat. He needed food. And so the enemy came and capitalized on that treasure, on that need, and said to, to Jesus that, If you are the son of God and you are feeling hungry, why not just turn these stones to bread? But Jesus Christ said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In essence, Jesus Christ was saying that, yes, there is pressure to eat. However, I know know the conviction I have. And what is my conviction? My conviction is that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Meaning if the father hasn't given a proceeding word, then I will not engage in that action because it is not from the father. I remember I said that conviction is built on revelation. All right. So when Joshua said, um, man doesn't live on my bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father, he was in essence saying that the father's, father has to release revelation to me. And, and that is a conviction I, I built upon. And if the father doesn't do that, I can't do contrary to that. But the enemy came, like I said, came to test his conviction using a situation of pressure. And I'm saying this again to all that. Over and over, the enemy will come. It might be financial pressure, pressure from family, pressure from job, pressure from anything. Whatever, Whenever you see pressure in your life, just know that the enemy is trying to test your conviction on a particular matter. All right? And you know there are certain times when there are bills left right center every there are just so many bills in that in that particular season and you are tempted to just you know do something that god isn't leading you to do and let me say this also that it is not only things that are sinful all right that the enemy comes to test test us with many times he also comes to test us with um with things that may be good but god is not leading us to, to it so for instance, you might feel so much pressure financially, and then you say, you know what, because of this pressure, let me take another job, or let me start this business to help me um, ease off this pressure. It sounds like a logical decision. There's, it doesn't, There's nothing bad in starting a business or taking a second job. But when God is not leading you to it, then that is also a problem because he's not leading you to it. And the enemy tries to Lead us into such tight situations um, using pressure, either to lead us into seeing actions that are sinful, in, you know, directly, or leading us in direction that God is not leading us to. All right, okay. So I hope we we got that. All right. So I'm going to move to the second one quickly, and then we'll take um, to a third one. That's the last one, and then we'll take um, comments and questions. So we talked about conviction. And the third thing here is character. Remember, I was talking about um, ways we shine as light. We said number one is consecration. Number two is our conviction. Number three is our character. And I, 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 I wouldn't dwell so much on this because I think it's pretty much clear enough. Um, I, we sort of started with this. Um, and it's more, for most people, this is already clear. But I'll just highlight a few things that, you know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the believers were called were first called Christians at Antioch. The first thing I want you to note is that it's not the Christians that it's not the believers that called themselves Christians. It was other people, unbelievers, that looked at them and said, "You people behave so much like Christ," so they called them Christians um it's just like saying i i I live in a city called lagos when i go outside lagos people look at me and say ah you are behaving like a lagosian and what do they mean is that there are certain things i do maybe i'm in a hurry or i'm i'm driving fast or i'm very agile about some things and they say "Ah, ah you are behaving like a lagosian that's exactly that means they observe my character observe my mannerism and they say you are behaving like the people that come from a particular place it is exactly what they did, what, how the word Christian, um, Christians came about. That other people observed the character of the believers, and they said to the believers that you are behaving exactly the way that, that man, that Christ that was alive several years ago, you are behaving exactly like him. And this should be the testament of our character. That if we are going to shine as lights in this world, then our actions should not deny our, our conviction. Our actions should not deny our, our identity. Our actions should be a reflection of our identity. All right. And that is how really, in fact, in, in essence, what I'm saying is that you don't even need to tell somebody a Christian. They should be able to deduce from your actions, from your, man, from your character and mannerisms that this person is a Christian. There should be a way Christians behave that they should be able to identify in your life and say the way you are acting, your character, the way you speak, the way you are kind to people, the way I see you diligent with your work. You are a Christian. Say You are a Christian, Abby. That's what people should say concerning our lives. All right? And this is um, one of the ways we shine. Remember we talked about our lights so shiny that men will see our good works. Part of the good works is the demonstration of our character. All right? And so let's look again at the book of Daniel to see how this comes to play. Daniel chapter six, verse four. Daniel, I, thank you so much, brother I see your comments on Zoom and Mixer please go ahead, drop whatever you're, you're, you're learning so far. Feel free to drop it in the comment section. Um, we don't need to wait till the end. Actually, we can drop it right here in the comment section um, as we teach. So Daniel chapter What did I say? Chapter 6, right? Chapter 6, verse 4. I want to read from the New Living Translation. Or if you're there, please, by all means, go ahead and read for me while, for us while I try to open. The
1: book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 4. Okay, Daniel, chapter 6, verse 4. Um...
0: Then the admin the other administrators I'm reading from the new living translation NLT. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some faults in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. And I really love this man Daniel because there was so much there's so much we as new testament believers can learn from the quality of work and from the purity of our character. <clears> he <throat> says, they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Let me read that again. It says, he was faithful, he was responsible, and completely trustworthy. Let me ask you a question. How many people in your circle can you confidently describe like this, that you say, describe at least ten people that you know Christians that you know you know unbelievers are unbelievers so we leave them like that but Christians describe ten Christians in your circle that is faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy I'm sure before you you reach number ten you will, you will have to rack your brain to come up with names and that's because a lot of believers don't leave the standard of morality or character that is commensurate with the faith that we profess. A lot of believers don't. And let me tell you the truth. Even if you cast demons, heal the sick and all of that, the strongest identifier or strongest point of recognition of your identity is your character. Many times you see in scripture where the believers were identified because of the way they behave or because of the way they comported themselves. All right. And let me say this, that even if you walk in the miracles, and of course, you know that we're not against the miracles, we believe in it wholeheartedly, right? So that's aside, So, but even if you walk in the miracles and you, you heal the sick, raise the dead, but there's a flaw in your character. After some time, people would find it difficult to believe you. So our character plays a significant role in our light shining in this world. And this is a testimony that they brought concerning Daniel. They are tried to, to catch Daniel in anything he do, like try to set trap for him, basically. And they could not. And they said to if we read the, the, the verse five and six, and you know, further down, they said, the only way we can trap Daniel is as regards the worship of his God. That is the only way we can trap him. You know, and we know the rest of the story. Um, was thrown to the lions, then and God delivered him. What I'm saying here again, that our character should be, you know, the Bible says that God is coming for a church without spot or wrinkle, okay? That spot is, a, is talking about the defect in character. God is coming for a church that he can, people of the world can look at and say, their character is flawless. And just before you say it's impossible, no, it is not. Because God's expectation is that the people he's coming, <clears throat> he's coming for are without spot or wrinkle. All right. So let's be people of character. That's, that's really what I'm trying to say here. That our character is one of the ways that we represent Christ and this in this earth, and we show for like it should never be heard that a, a an unbeliever is has a better character than a believer. It should not be heard. I know it does happen, but it shouldn't be. You know, it should be that if they say, ah, there's this person, you know, let's say my office. Her name is um her name is Ife. If I do for she's that that girl, she has such a good character. Or they say, ah, oh, there is, or there's this guy in my in 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 the in the training I went for, his name is Silas. He has such a good character. I think he's a Christian. Let's go and ask him. That should be our testimony. And as much as yes, we are called to evangelize, what we should speak to people, we should um, um, evangelize to people, right? However, if our character, falls below the standard, our evangelism will be weak. Nobody will listen to what you have to say if you, your character is not on point, if your character doesn't meet the standard. So what gives authority and credence, Let credence to our gospel, also is our character. Let me tell you this, that there's authority that comes from the word of God. There's authority that comes from your moral standing. You need to have those two the authority that comes from God's word and the authority that comes from your moral standing. Listen, if you only have authority that comes from the word of God, but you don't have moral authority, nobody will listen to you. If you have moral authority, but don't have the word of God, you will not be able to make impact. So you need both. You need the authority that comes from the word of God and you need the moral authority also of your lifestyle. That's why Paul could say that, follow my example just as I follow Christ, he could, he, was, he wasn't boasting, but he was, you know, putting his life out there saying, I have lived a life in front of you that you guys can emulate. So follow my example. Until today, the Bible says we should follow those who through faith and patience have obtained the prize. So it is still part of God's designs for us to follow people as long as they follow Christ. So my question is, are you somebody worth following? Can somebody look at you and say, "I want to follow that guy. I want to follow that that lady. I want to follow their lives." Can someone say that of you? That is part of the standards we have as believers. And I know it is a it is a tough standard, especially speaking um, humanly. But this is where the grace of God comes to play. Um, the grace of God supplies the uh, enablement and the ability to live a life of. Character that other people can emulate and follow. All right. Okay, so I, I think I really have said much. Um, I wanted to read. Okay, let me see if I can take two scriptures before I close on this note. Um okay, let me see. Quickly Ch- chip in First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Um 1st Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Please let's just stay a bit. I really want to hear from us. So I'm going to give us time to talk about it. Um, okay, first player three, verse one. Let me let me just explain. It talks about, oh, let me read it there. So it says, likewise, likewise, ye wives be be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be worn by the conversation of their of the wives. Now I know this is a marriage context, but the principle also applies. And what Paul was saying, uh, sorry, Apostle Peter was saying here is that um, for the wives who married on unbelieving husbands, that he says, be be in subjection, meaning be be submissive to your husband so that if they are not converted by the words you speak, your your evangelism, then they 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 would be converted by your lifestyle, by your character. And that's what, you know, the King James calls conversation. That's your way of life. And this principle is so true that there are people who you speak to, and initially they may they may not receive the gospel, but when they observe your life, observe your your character, observe the way you live, they will be won over to the gospel because of your lifestyle. And this is also what God expects from us as part of our evangelisms. All right. So having said that, uh, remember we said consecration is tested by pleasure, Car- conviction is tested by pressure character is tested by pride all right so let me take that again consecration is tested by pleasure pleasure p-e-l-p-l-e-a-s-u-r-e Con- um, consecration is tested by pleasure conviction is tested by pleasure. pressure p-r-e-w-s-u-r-e hope i spelled that well Spelled it well yeah so conviction is tested by pressure. And lastly, character is tested by pride. So let me read this to us. Again, let's go back to Jesus. Like I said, the temptation of Jesus were drawing parallels from the three temptations that he had and then how he, you know, drawing lessons from that. So let's go back to Matthew chapter four and see how character was, it was tested in this way. It was coded, but but it was tested. Let me show you. Um So Matthew chapter four, verse, from verse five to verse seven, okay? Remember I said that character is tested by pride, all right? So it says here that, um, verse five, Matthew chapter four, verse five, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus responded in verse 7, and said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, let me explain it this way, all right? Um, So, Jesus took, sorry, Satan took Jesus Christ today, the Bible says to the Pinnacle of the temple, and this is very symbolic, all right? because what jesus what satan was trying to do was, was to bring jesus to an exalted and elevated position and you'll find this to be true in human experience that the true test of a person's character is not when the person is low the true test of a person's character is when the person has got into an elevated position in life so if somebody is still at an entry level position in a company the person doesn't have a choice he has to be submissive he has to be humble he has like several layers of managers above him and doesn't have anybody that he's managing but when the person grows to become a manager and there are several people under, under him that is when you really know the test of the person's heart. all right um if somebody just imagines um somebody joined the company as the as the security guard of course because the security guard there's you know he's in a lowly position but when the true test of the person's character is when the person becomes the md or any person goes to start his business and has so many people under him that is when you know the test of the person's character and this is what what this um what the enemy was doing right symbolically he was bringing jesus to an elevated position you know and to see what he will do from that exalted position okay so verse 5 says he set him at the pinnacle of the temple then guess what he now said he now said you know what if you are the son of man then jump down after all the bible says. He will give his angels charge over you, right? Which is actually true. You find that in Psalm 90, um, Psalm 91, I beg your pardon, that God actually says he'll give his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That is very correct. But what the devil was suggesting to Jesus to do is that from an exalted and elevated position, I want you to prove a point, which is what there was no reason for Jesus Christ to jump down except. And, and just look at what, what Satan said, jump down from that pinnacle because the Bible says you give his angels charge over you, meaning this, the devil was suggesting to Jesus Christ to prove a point from that elevated position. And this is where our character really comes into play. And the character here, listen, it, it was, it is true from God's word that if Jesus Christ jumped his angels would he had given his angels and they would have caught him. But you know what? He would have been doing it to prove a point. And the power of the or the, the, the highest demonstration of, of character is when you have the ability to do something, but you refrain from doing it because it ought not to be done that way. And that's what Jesus Christ um demonstrated here that the devil took him to an elevated position and said jump down and prove a point and Jesus Christ said no you don't you cannot tempt the lord your god okay so what i'm saying is that there are moments where our character will be tested and those moments where our character will be tested are moments where when an elevated position and pride can easily be demonstrated where you can do things just to prove a point, you know you own a business. Let's say some years ago you were you were you were working the company. You know you resigned. You started your business. Now God has expanded the business. You have fifteen staff under you. You have um, twenty-five. You have fifteen full sta- full-time staff, twenty-five. You know part-time staff, and your business is growing. And then somebody comes, one of your staff comes and challenges you and says, no, this is not the way we should do it. And in your pride, you are saying, I've run this business for seven years, we'll be doing this way. And you say, you are going to, in your heart, you say, I will show you. And what do you want to, what is, what is coming to your heart is that you withhold that person's salary from being paid. Now you have the power to do it, but it is the strength of your character that will tell you, no, you should not do this because this is not in the character or the person or the um, personality of jesus christ do we get that so our character will always be tested by pride it will be tested by positions where we could do things and we had the power to do things but then we decided not to follow through with it because it is not in the nature of jesus christ so you see in this place um Um, The devil took Jesus Christ to an elevated position and asked him to jump down to prove a point, and Jesus Christ said no. Now, let's look at two scriptures that show us the real character of Jesus, all right? And we'll just look at that quickly, and we're done. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 5, the book of John, um, the gospel of John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Let me read that quickly. It says, after, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. John chapter thirteen. All right, gotcha. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come and that he should depart out of this world unto his father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Verse two, and supper being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Verse three says, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from the world from God and went to God. Let me pause here. Jesus Christ at this point says Jesus knowing that the father entrusted all things into his hands. So Jesus Christ had the consciousness of his power and authority at this point. You know the temptation of in in Matthew, right, what the devil was suggesting to Jesus is that from this elevated position, I want you to prove a point. Now in this verse 13 let's look at what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ knew he had all the power in this world. If it was you, I mean think about it, what would you do? if you knew that you had all the power in this world and for some people the very first thing they do is that that their boss that has been giving them problem, they will snap their finger and the, the boss will become an intern right away. Or that neighbor that has been giving you problem you just snap your finger and the neighbor's house will disappear you know? That is what some people would do if they knew they had all the power. But let's look at what Jesus Christ did with all the power that he knew he had. Verse, verse um, let me read verse three again. He says, Jesus Christ, knowing that the Father had given him all, had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, verse 4 says, He rised from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that he was with, all right? So what Jesus Christ did with with all the power he had was a sharp contrast to what the devil was suggesting he would do. And let me tell us this, you know, um, to help us. Whenever you see that you have so much authority or your authority has increased whether in in whatever regard or whatever level, That should be the best time to display your humility. All right. With all the power that Jesus Christ had, he knew that the father entrusted all things to his hands. What did he do? What did he do? He went, he took towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he told them that this is how you also should do for one another. So we see Jesus Christ demonstrating character, even though he had the opportunity to be proud. Okay. One more example, Matthew chapter 26. Um, so I told you there were two. I've read one, Matthew chapter 26, and verse, verse 51. So, just for context here, this was when they had come to arrest Jesus Christ, and um, let's look at what happened. Matthew chapter 26, verse 51. He says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off smote of his ear. Now we know this to be. Um, to be Peter, right? Because the book, the gospel of John told us it was Peter. Verse 52, then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword in his place for all they that take the sword shall perish by the sword. Verse 53 says, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? What Jesus Christ was saying in essence is that put away your sword. Don't you think I can call on the father and you send me legions of angel angels. So Jesus Christ knew that he had angels at his disposal. He was aware. And let me say that if Jesus Christ called on angels, they would have come at that point. But he told them and said, you know what? But so that the word of God will be fulfilled. I refrain from exercising the authority I have so that the word of God can be fulfilled. This is the true test of character. When your character refrains you from exercising your authority so that the nature of God and the will of God can come to pass, that is really the true test of our character. And this is the, one of the ways we shine as light in this world, that you come in circum, into circumstances where you are right. If you carry out that action, you are justified. If you, if you take the matter to court or to any, anywhere, they will say you did the right thing. But because of the nature of Christ, you, you refrain. That is how our character is tested. All right. So I said again that our character is tested by pride, or you can also say our character is tested by occasions um, that we could demonstrate pride in. All right. Um, OK. So I hope that was helpful. Let's just go over the three things again. Number one, we said, uh, we said three things that causes our lights to shine. Um, number one is concentration. And we said concentration is tested by pleasure. Number two, we say conviction and conviction is tested by pressure. Number three is character and character is tested by pride. All right, so um, this is it. We're gonna stop here. I hope we learned a, th- a thing or two. And apologies with, you know, today is a bit longer because I just I really wanted to finish these two together um, so that we can just spend next week only praying. Okay, um, so let me ask us at this point if we have any questions, maybe I said something that was too fast or I said something that you didn't quite understand. Um, um, I would really love to take our questions. Anybody like that please Anyone wants to share anyone have a question they want to you know ask um, Please go ahead go ahead go ahead this is time for questions if you're on me seller please you can just type in your question and
1: we will take it um from there all right while our questions are coming
0: in i also want to ask um what we learned today or something that you know you learned that stuck to your heart so this is question or contribution now um something that's you know resonated with you and you were blessed we were blessed by it or Maybe an experience actually that you want to share concerning a a time where your conviction was tested, and or a time where your uh, what's it where your character sorry was tested yeah, you want to share that with us please. The floor is open. We have like um, three minutes for this before we go. So there are three things. I we, well, say as I'm asking us now. Um any question or you want to share something that you learned today? And I think that should be like everybody, or else I'll just start crying. <laughs> um, or thirdly, you have an experience that corroborates what the word of
1: God says and what we just learned today. So please feel free to go ahead and share. Um I'm gonna call on someone to So I know I
0: know we have a lot, so I'm going to jumpstart this engine. Um, I think I'm still very much inclined to calling you again. So pardon me. Do you want to share something you learned today? Or maybe an experience you had where your character
1: was tested or your conviction was tested? Um, Or if you have a question, please go ahead. hi Fed, don't forget to unmute your mic um, if you're speaking okay yeah i see in the comments okay if you can't talk where i feel free you can type it in
0: and we'll just read it out here Um, to me while ife is typing our hearts out let me hear from you what's something you learned today if you see that you have a question if you don't have a question then tell me something you learned
1: um today so to me we're waiting for you don't forget to unmute your mic um if you're speaking hi to me are you there um we are waiting for you but uh, for those of us on mixela
0: please uh, t- send in your comments or questions or. Uh, experience you know we have just one more minute one more minute one more minute.
1: tell me something you learned today okay fedolapos says it just occurred to me that we have to be
0: very intentional with our lifestyle i like that we have to be very intentional with our lifestyle um but i also want to ask a follow-up question, if what made you what brought this realization to you what part of the conversation brought this realization to you if you don't mind dropping in. Um,
2: okay, um, I'll just speak. Okay. Can, can you hear me?
0: Yes,
2: I can. Um, I mean, it's, it's very easy to, like in the course of our day-to-day lives, like the, the examples that you gave, not in a way that it's going against God's um, word or sinning, just in things that you think might be logical, mm but you haven't like heard from God or God hasn't given you a go ahead and you can easily be doing the right thing, but still be faltering. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what made me realize that it's not just enough to take decisions and run with it. You have to be sure that your conviction is in check Mm -hmm. and you're not going against like your consecration. God. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Yes, that was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If I, um, to me, I haven't seen your comments or you haven't said anything, so we're still waiting for that. All right. Um, so while we, let's wrap up here, um, before we say a word of prayer, let me just ask if there's anybody here joining us for the very first time. Um, please identify, let me know. Um, On Zoom, I don't think so, but if there's anyone on who is joining us for the very first time, please do us a favor, drop your name in the comments and let us know where you are joining us from, um, what part, what city, what part of the world you are joining us from. And we're happy to meet you. Okay, so let us close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity you know to learn from you, hear your word and um, strengthen ourselves. Father, we receive the grace to maintain our concentration, to maintain our conviction and maintain the character that is consistent with our identity as Christians in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus name we've prayed. Amen. Okay, to me just dropped a comment and uh, she says we need to be convinced before the pressure comes amazing 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 okay so next week we're going to have prayer meeting and i'm excited about our prayer meetings because it gives us time to pray together as a community and um you know we we'll just spend time praying for most most part our bible studies are teachings and study and all of that but the last tuesday of the month we devoted to just prayers okay and so that next week is going to be our prayer meeting um so please join in um it is as important and as powerful as bible study itself and also don't forget to come with someone um someone you know to join bible study um yep yeah, i think that's it god bless you all have a wonderful week ahead if you do have testimonies you can share them in the chat or in our whatsapp group or you can reach out to any of your prayer cluster leaders or me directly and share it with if it's a private testimony. Okay, God bless you all. Have a wonderful remaining
1: part of your day. Bye everyone.